0: So we're going to have a little bit of time here in God's word. Um, I've been told that the testimonies aren't going to take that long. And, you know, somebody's testimony of how they were lost and they came to be found, they they saw they had a problem, they put their faith in, in God's solution to meet their need, and they accepted that as a matter of faith apart from human works, that is the gospel, that is their testimony, and everyone's story is a little bit different, depends on how much of the story somebody chose to share. There's many chapters to everybody's faith story. That it could be a very, very long, and it could be very, very succinct and short, too, and so everyone, you might even think about if I was to share my faith story, if I was to share the chapter about when I actually made that decision to put my faith and confidence in Jesus Christ, maybe maybe your testimony would be long short i don't know but that's something that we'd always we're always happy to have people who want to share their testimonies it's a really encouraging thing so pretty much any wednesday night if you're thinking you know what i'd love to just share with the people here at church how i got to be saved i came to be saved talk to me about it we'll go through it and uh, i 'd be happy to we 'd love to hear your journey and your in your story, but turn to John chapter fifteen if you 've got a Bible, just want to share a couple of thoughts because I guess i was as I was thinking about people 's testimony there 's a number of things of course that change dramatically the moment that we place our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on our behalf we're sealed with the holy spirit we are made alive we were taken from being dead to being made alive we're passed from death to life okay what is old is now become new in that sense we are adopted into god's family we are we are, cha- are changed we have a change of position or citizenship from being of this world to now being having an eternal citizenship, a heavenly citizenship. We go from being in Adam to being now in Christ. But as you think about the change, one of the the major changes as it relates to practical living positionally is we have a change of association. Now that's supposed to be true practically as well. I want to touch on both things here tonight. Not only am I supposed to positionally now not be identified with the world and the system of rebellion and rejection of Jesus Christ, now having accepted Jesus Christ, I can be associated with the heavenly realm, the heavenly cause, so to speak, instead of the cause of the world standing in opposition to God, the cause of Satan, something that would be the opposite of what God is seeking to do. But I want you to turn, we could spend a bunch of time in the fifteenth chapter here. We studied this last Friday at our men's Bible study, but there's something as I was just thinking about getting saved. We're saved in the terms of we're saved from the penalty of our sin, and we're we have our identity be changed. Now it says in verse 18, well seventeen you could back up and say these things I command you that you love one another. This chapter touches on God's love for us several times. And then the natural outflow of that should be that we love one another. So verse 18, if the world hates you, now that's a strong contrast to being loved by Jesus Christ. He says, as I have loved you, but the world doesn't love the Christian, the believer hates you. So if the world hates you, he says, and that's if, and that's assumed to be true, if, and they do, the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Now, we touched on that at length in our study in 1 John, that it's not hating you in a vacuum. It's hating you because you're identified with me. You see, friends, positionally, the world would hate you if they knew that you were identified with Jesus Christ. Practically, though, they'll only hate you if they see that you're identified with Jesus Christ. What I mean, if, if they don't know what side you're on, they're going to have no reason to hate you. They're just going to assume that you're on the same side they are, the the side of opposition to Jesus Christ. Now, you see verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Now, can we practically be of the world? 1 John makes that clear. We absolutely can be. Practically, we can be living like we are a part of the system that is standing in rebellion in opposition to God. So, if you were acting that way or living that way, the world would love its own. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about positionally. If you were of the world positionally, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but catch this, but I chose you out of the world, chose you individually? No, chose everybody who would choose to put their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ, chose them to be a part of a collective body of believers that were placed positionally in Christ. And are are now distinct from the world positionally because they're now in Christ. Their citizenship is now in heaven. Now he says therefore because I chose you out of the world, it was my intention to change your citizenship to take you from what you were associated with and to now associate you with myself, because of that, the world hates you. The world hates you. Now, what will be the natural byproduct of that? Verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master, meaning if you're identified with me, you're gonna face the same things I faced. If they persecuted me and they did... They will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. He's talking about the teaching ministry to other people. That if they're standing, he's remember in the exact context here, he's referring to his apostles and their apostolic authority, their authority to teach, as standing in the shoes of God revealing himself to man through them, even as God continued to reveal Scripture through many of those many of those men. Now I want you to turn to Chapter 17, because you say, if I, can, if I can be assured of the fact that having rejected Jesus, if I'm identified with him, not just positionally, but if I'm identified with him practically, they're going to hate me and they're going to persecute me. Did Jesus know that would happen? And the answer is yes, he told them it would. But I want you to turn to verse 15. Verse 14, I mean. I have given them, Jesus is praying, he's praying to the Father, he's talking about the people that he's been ministering to in his earthly ministry here. I have given them your word, and the world has, this is past tense, has hated them, this is already happening. Now why? Because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Now, that's true positionally, and it was true practically in their lives that people could see their identification with Jesus Christ and hated them for it and persecuted them for it. Now, look at verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. This is a profound statement here. Could Jesus have determined with the Godhead United, could they have de- der- determined in eternity past that the moment anyone would put their faith in the provision of God to deal with their sinfulness, justification, salvation from the penalty of sin, could God have determined or ordained in eternity past that the moment anyone did that, they would be taken home to be with God? Write that second. Answer is yes. Could have been the plan, but it isn't the plan. What was the plan instead? The plan was that those who would choose to put their faith in God's provision to deal with their sinfulness, Old Testament looking forward to Calvary, New Testament looking back at the finished work of Jesus Christ, Christ in this context, not having yet died, so still believing that they were sinners who needed a savior and that God would undertake to provide for their sinfulness. So in that context, we're told that the world isn't going to like that, but Jesus could have spared us from that that God God could have spared Jesus could have been praying that we would be spared for, from that, but why why didn't he? Kids, why did why did what was there What was there about God's plan that made it important for us to be left behind here in this world even after we get saved? So we can save other people. We could save other people indirectly, right? So he could save other people by us telling them about the Savior, the one who can save, right? And so we have a mission. How many of you realize that God gave you a mission? Young people, do you understand that? Your mission isn't just to wake up each morning and wonder, how can I pack as much fun into today as possible? The mission isn't to wake up and say, how can I be as annoying as possible to my siblings? That might become your mission for the day, but that's not the mission God has for you. God's mission is to shine his light for you into the lives of your siblings. He wants to shine his light through you into the lives of other people that he puts you into contact with so they could see what? They could see the light of the gospel, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the mission. So he left us behind even in the midst of a crooked and perverse world. Is the world full of God's light? Kids, is the world full of God's light? It is? Oh, it's not. Okay, it's not. No, it's not. What would be the only way that the world could be full of God's light? Well, there's more than one probably, but with a main way. Because there's there's Christians in the world who are, but only Christians when they're willing to actually shine as God's light. Because are we helping to make the world brighter if our light is covered with a bushel basket? No. No. So why do we sing? Hide it under a bushel? No. No. I'm going to let it shine, right? Won't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Kids, do you see that? You have a mission to be a light, a light into your parents' lives, a light into your brother's lives, your sister's lives, your uncles, aunts, grandparents, neighbors, classmates at school if you go to a public school, people that you run into at Giants Ridge if you're there for ski day, people that you run into at the mall, people that see you maybe even at a restaurant, they maybe won't even speak to you, but they can see a little light in you because maybe you're doing something as simple as being respectful to your parents or not picking on your siblings or how about this, praying before you eat your meal. Would that stand out in a world that has no interest in Jesus Christ? Would that maybe be something they could see? So that's why he left us behind. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Why? Because you have this mission but what does Jesus pray instead? That you should keep them from the evil one. Does God want us while we're here in the world to be overrun by Satan's evil, the world's evil, the evil within ourselves of our flesh, our sin nature? Does God want us to be run by that and overrun by that? No. He's made it possible through the provision of his word, through the provision of his spirit living inside of us to give us victory over our flesh, victory over Satan, victory over the world because greater is he that is In us, then, he who is in the world, right? And so what a fascinating thing. Look at verse 16 now. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. You are not of this world. Do you see that? You're not here to fit in. You don't belong. You don't belong here. Your citizenship is in heaven. Now look at verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Cleanse them is the idea there. Cleanse them by your truth. Now where is the truth found? Your word is truth. Do you realize that this is the thing that can cleanse our thinking? When we're getting our thinking confused by the messaging of the world, by the messaging of our flesh inside of us trying to convince us that we are more important it's saying you first, me first, me first, me first, me first. When the flesh is saying that, what can clear our mind? God's truth. God's spirit and God's truth. Now, that's why it's important, young people. I'm going to tell you this. Old, older people need to know this too, but you, you made a choice to come here tonight. Some of you kids didn't make a choice. The fa- your family came here tonight. You're going to come to a point in your life where you're going to have a choice to make. You're going to have a choice to make about, am I going to value coming out and hearing the Word of God and fellowshipping with other believers around the Word of God and opening the Word of God on my own? Am I going to see any value in that? Because it's not going to be your parents making you anymore. You know what a really sad story is, kids? I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but you know that the vast majority of young people that have been sitting here when they were your age, by the time they get to be 18, 19, 20 years old, they they never set foot in this church. Did you know that that's true? Some of them are your own family members. Some of them are your own relatives. Never, never set foot in this church. Now, do I know what they're doing? Maybe they're enjoying the Lord. Maybe they're reading the word of God. Maybe they're going to some other church and God's working in their lives that way. But the sad reality is that that's often not the case because I run into them or I'll know enough about their lives to know that they're not prioritizing the things of God. So can your parents make that decision for you? Up to a point... But then who has to make that decision? You have to decide that this is worthwhile, that you want to come here and be fed God's truth so that your thinking won't be overrun